You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Women's Health, sponsored in part by Eli Lilly. Your host is Dr. Lawrence Stryker, Assistant Clinical Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Northwestern University Medical School, the Feinberg School of Medicine. Welcome to Advances in Women's Health. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, your host, and with me today is Dr. Marianne Legato, a professor of clinical medicine at Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons and adjunct professor of medicine at Johns Hopkins Medical School. Dr. Legato founded the Partnership for Gender-Specific Medicine at Columbia University in 1997 and is the editor of the first textbook on gender medicine, Principles of Gender-Specific Medicine. Today we are talking about how human biology differs in men and women, and specifically the impact of gender on lifespan. Welcome, Dr. Legato. Well, thank you so much for asking me. You know, across the industrialized world, women still live 5 to 10 years longer than men, and among people over 100 years old, 85% are women. And we know that while most women die of heart disease, on the average, they do so around 10 years later than men. So why do women die of heart disease later than men? Well, that is one of the most important and ignored health problems of our time, which is why does coronary disease start at least 10 years earlier and sometimes in the mid-30s in men, whereas women in general get a pass, if you will, until their menopause when estrogen production drops off. The fact is that women do live longer than men with more disability, but certainly men at all ages, which is interestingly, die before women. So I think we should be paying a lot of attention to why this much earlier onset of coronary disease in men. Men with coronary disease, three-quarters of them die by the time they're 65. So Mm -hmm. I think this is a huge health issue. And do you think there's a role of testosterone? As long as we're talking about hormones, estrogen's not the, the only hormone. Does testosterone impact on this at all? Well, I think insofar as it contributes to a lower HDL or good cholesterol level, yes. But uh, And so does risk-taking and ignoring symptoms, all of which are possibly at least in part a function of high testosterone levels when men are younger. Now, when you talk about risk-taking, are you talking about risky behavior resulting in dying from an accident or a different kind of risk? Well, behavior? I'm talking about smoking, smoking, excessive drinking, not enough sleep, and exposure to all kinds of intercurrent infections. You know, men suffer seven out of the 10 most common infections much more commonly and severely than women do, including tuberculosis. So Mm -hmm. I think the risk-taking behavior of men does contribute to their earlier onset of coronary disease. But I think it's more fundamental than that, and it's not just hormonal. The reasons for it remain obscure. And when we thought that estrogen protected women, as you probably remember as well as I do, We did a clinical trial of giving men estrogen to see if we could prevent heart disease and, in fact, use such a high dose that it was so harmful that we had to close the trial, and we haven't looked at that since that time. Did the trial go on long enough to get any data, or was it just too short-lived? No, people had... They just uh, dropped out. Unfortunately, (laughs) there were some deaths connected with the trial. So, What about the role of iron deficiency in in cell aging? My understanding is that there's some data that suggests that increased life expectancy of women is related to relative iron deficiency from years of menstruation. What what are your thoughts on that? I think that's probably nonsensical, but there are data to suggest that that might be the case. And what the mechanism is, is obscure. So I really don't put much credence in that. Which is good because I think we're starting to see a lot more menstrual suppression with hormonal contraception, and it's nice to know that that's not going to have an impact on on life expectancy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think there is a genetic advantage, something on the X chromosome? Well, the fact that there is a double X 
in women in spite of the fact that one of those X chromosomes is incompletely silenced and made ineffectual in the course of normal female development, there is a reserve on that second X that may contribute to their longevity. And it is said that women who survive longest have the favorable constellation of genetic equipment on that X chromosome that contributes to their longer lives compared to men. Has there anything specific that's been identified on the chromosome? No. Unfortunately, you know, we're just at the dawn of human genomic description and manipulation. I mean, one can only imagine the impact of of identifying something in terms of longevity for for both genders. Mm -hmm. You know, suicide, of course, has a major impact on life expectancy. Is it true that men who attempt suicide are more likely to succeed than women? Absolutely. Why are they more serious about it or they use different methods? Why is it? They use different methods. In general, women use pills and make many more unsuccessful attempts to kill themselves. They usually don't take enough or they don't use more definitive things like guns. Men are more likely to use guns, and particularly the police, for example, who uh, commit suicide in excess compared to the general population and do so with their own guns. I didn't know that. How much of longevity in both men and women is determined by environmental factors as opposed to genetics? Well, I think that it has been said by thoughtful people that just to attribute everything to genes is a reductionist or simplistic view. We really don't understand the genome completely, obviously. The so-called junk DNA that we use to discard and say there's no purpose to this has turned out to have important regulatory functions, for example. But the interaction between genes, sex, because the same genes are expressed differently in men and women, in heart, muscle, And fat and brain, interestingly enough, that's a paper that was published by Yang in 2006. So sex impacts the way genes are expressed. Hormonal levels at any given time in life and the environment all interact in complex ways to determine phenotype. So it's not a simple, I have a mutation, let's excise it or replace that gene and I'll be fine. And I think, unfortunately, this plethora of new businesses in which you send $1,000 and a swab of your DNA and you're told exactly what the future holds are really exploiting the public. I'm not familiar with those businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are 1,300 of them as I'm giving this interview. And, and what kind of fee does someone have to pay in order to get that kind of Between information? Between 1000 to $1,300 is about the median fee. And you can get a description of your genome, but what it means and whether or not, in fact, you will actually have the diseases that the genomic description infers that you might have is is completely unclear. Mm-hmm. So we talked a little bit about hormones and behaviors and risk-taking. What other gender-specific factors impact on life expectancy? Societal conditioning of men. In my recent book, Why Men Die First, I devote a chapter to what men pay for the jobs that they are asked to and do do without complaint, and what sports extracts in terms of morbidity and mortality. Men are socialized to kind of suck it up, ignore pain, soldier on, and particularly for young men, make their bones, as the saying goes, and prove that they are in fact manly and capable of deeds of daring and risk-taking. So I think that this socialization of men and asking them to do the most dangerous jobs in society 
contribute certainly to their earlier deaths. Uh, construction workers, especially what are called the iron workers, those men who prowl the steel beams many, many, many feet above the street level, who fall to their death is not uncommon. I haven't heard of any women, but there's been an epidemic of construction worker deaths due to falls, window washers, and construction workers in New York City, for example. So would you hypothesize that as more women become like men, if you will, in terms of the jobs that that they do and sports and all that, that we're going to see a narrowing of this gap? Yes. And I think that, for example, girls soccer and as soccer gets more and more physical and more and more games are being played, there are more sports injuries that young girls and women are exposed to. As we send women to war, as one young first lieutenant said to me, who was in Iraq, there is no front line even though I'm in an air-conditioned trailer doing troop movement and supply logistics, I could be bombed at any moment. So I think job choices and job assignments are a very important reason why men have a shorter lifespan. Uh, There was a very interesting article in the paper, to me at least yesterday, of a shipwreck in the middle of ICCs in which five men died and four lived only a short time because no help could be gotten to them in time. There had been a fire or a flood in the hold of the ship, and the whole crew was destroyed. And this is not uncommon in deep-sea fishermen, for example, and in men who go to sea are isolated from medical care or rapid help and die because there's no help available. And we'll start to see this more with women as well. If women are are enrolled in the same situations, absolutely, yes. It's not just how long we live, it's the quality of life that also needs to be considered. We know that women are at greater risk for developing Alzheimer's, for example. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Is it worth adding on an additional five years if they're not quality years? Well, everyone asks that, and it's solely a question of how you live. Some families who can and do elect to keep their loved ones at home, even with, quote, Alzheimer's or dementia, have a tremendous amount of satisfaction in doing that, although it's stressful in some regards, and the end of life is not so dire. Those people who are penniless and warehoused in institutions where their illnesses and disabilities are not really expertly addressed with physiotherapy and also with the input of affectionate care don't do so well. So I think it depends. You pays your money, if you will, and you takes your choice. Would you like to live with dementia and osteoporosis and uh, all of the ills that beset older women, or do you choose a shorter lifespan while you're still functional? I would like to thank my guest, Dr. Marianne Legato, who has given us new insight into the effect of gender on life expectancy. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker. You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For a complete program guide and podcast, visit ReachMD.com. For comments or questions, call us toll-free at 888-MD-XM-157. Thank you for listening to Advances in Women's Health, Sponsored in part by Eli Lilly, with your host, Dr. Lawrence Stryker. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, please go to ReachMD.com forward slash women's health. So, Rachel, mm-hmm. now that you're past menopause and we've determined you have osteoporosis, I'd like to start you on prescription-only Avista. Reloxifene hydrochloride tablets. Why Avista? Well, because it's the only medicine that reduces the risk of osteoporotic fractures and invasive breast cancer in women like you. It's important to note, though, that Avista does not treat breast cancer, prevent its return, or reduce the risk of all forms of breast cancer. Am I really at risk for invasive breast cancer? Based on my risk assessment, you may be. 
Some risk factors for breast cancer include advancing age, family history, and personal history. So even though no one in my family has ever had breast cancer, I'm still at risk for other reasons, including my advancing age? Exactly. And I think the benefits outweigh the potential risks for you. It's the one medicine that treats osteoporosis and reduces the risk of invasive breast cancer in postmenopausal women with osteoporosis. Individual results may vary, of course, but that's exciting news. Exciting? I'll have to take your word on that, doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Avista increases the risk of blood clots and should not be used by women who have or have had blood clots in the legs, lungs, or eyes. Avista may increase the risk of dying from stroke in women at high risk for heart disease or stroke. Talk to your doctor about all your medical conditions. Seek care immediately if you have leg pain or warmth, swelling of the legs, hands, or feet, chest pain, shortness of breath, or a sudden vision change. Do not use Avista if you are pregnant, nursing, or may become pregnant, as it may cause fetal harm. Women with liver or kidney disease should use Avista with caution. Avista should not be taken with estrogens. Side effects may include hot flashes, leg cramps, and swelling. For more information about Avista, contact your Lilly sales representative, visit www.avista.com, see our ad in Good Housekeeping, or call 1-888-44-AVISTA.